The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host or guest and should not be interpreted as statement of fact. Independent fact-checking and corrections are encouraged. Can we get a cup of coffee in here, please? America, you've got a dog that needs walking. That's right, sunshine. Just put on a big pot of strong coffee and get ready to type your little hate mail with your opinions about kumbaya and flat earth insanity. Stand up comedy? You want stand up comedy? Well, we got, well, we've got sit down comedy. It's time for Coffee with the Dog. You make me laugh. I hope you'll make me laugh. I could use a good laugh. Oh, yeah. Rock out, guys. Oh, the band is rocking today, aren't they? I used to rock like that once upon a time. Is it a painting clouds? That's not bad. Oh, good morning, folks. It is Monday. Ugh. Ugh. Monday, May 8th, 2023. Forgetting what year it is. Forgetting what day it is. Forgetting what year it is. I'm still alive, though. Uh, surprise, surprise. Still here. Not murdered. Not assaulted. Um... And we'll get into that. Well, it was a uh, pretty wild weekend. Nice weekend. Beautiful weekend. Finally, uh, very spring-like weather arrived here. Not loving that light back there by the guitar because I'm missing some equipment. I'm complaining already. Monday complaints. But if you can hear me complaining, I'm neither dead or in jail. Thank you, Mishka, for that. Um, anyway. So, um... The Robert Klein stuff, I, want, I definitely want to uh, talk about some takeaways from that. Paul Peters, who's uh, been on the show a couple of times. Last time he uh, was on, Zach Wiseman was co-hosting for me. That's how long ago that was. Probably almost a year ago now or nine months ago or something. Uh, I haven't talked to him for a while. He seems to have um, gotten himself into some really cool stuff, some production stuff, some, uh, in with some film production people doing some really – um, really impressive work. So, uh, but he might not be here because I, in my fog of the weekend and very busy weekend, it seems I sent the link, uh, to the wrong person through an email because he didn't get it. So I sent it to him this morning through Facebook. We don't know if it will, be, if he'll be here. I would love to see him if he does get here. Uh, Anyway, uh, calendar invite, uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we have kind of a, a busy week for you, too. We got uh, guests lined up all week, including, I think I alluded to this uh, the other day. Um, 
What's the guy's name? The golden cricket guy. Uh, he's a comedian. Eli Halpern. He's a comedian who started a company. He's a comedian slash ninja. <laughs> Serious, folks. I'm not making this up. He's a comedian slash ninja who started um, a protein snack supplement company called Golden Cricket. And, yeah, it is crickets. Crickets in a bar. A candy bar of crickets. Uh, so we'll, we'll see about that. He'll be here Friday, but we have a full week uh, scheduled for you. Anyway, um, the weekend was uh, unique, strange. Uh, I guess I'll start with Saturday, uh, first day mowing the lawn here. And first day mowing the lawn is always tough, but, you know, I don't usually wait until May. But it's been such shitty weather here that I uh, put it off and put it off because it was cold. And then uh, Saturday it was finally nice out and i got out pretty early before the sun had a time to dry the big heavy grass the grass was a lot higher than i thought it was and where i live very hilly uh you know the <laughs> there's a 40 foot hill from my back door up to the mo main property and then kind of slopes down and goes down 490 feet yeah it's it's hilly. My front yard is very hilly too, uh, and so I'm pushing a mower around. I don't have a drive driving mower. You think by now I would have wised up and just bought a driving mower? But no, I'm a pusher guy. And uh, every year it gets a little bit harder. Well, Saturday morning in the hot sun doing that, don't realize how fast I'm moving, and it's very thick wet grass. And before you know it. Um, I have worked myself up into a full body sweat and uh, huffing and puffing like an old man. And I tell you, it took me almost an hour to recover with the breathing at the end of it. I was like, I'm in terrible. I've never been in that bad shape in my life. I was laughing at myself, but also thinking I might die right here, right now. I'm uh, actually laying on the ground, um, huffing and puffing, wheezing, gasping for breath for nearly an hour, coughing, coughing up, Blah! really gross shit. Not a fun time. Uh, so, but I had a gig that night, and I had to change strings on guitars, and got it every time. Whoever fucking designed the peg hole thing on acoustic guitars, where you have these plastic pegs in, and they always break. Whoever designed that, they need to face the firing squad. Seriously. Uh, the worst design, and something always goes wrong. A peg breaks fuck, every friggin' time. Changing guitar guitars was a, a friggin' nightmare. <laughs> Changing strings on a guitar uh, for a, a gig. All right. Got that done. Go to a gig at night with the band and uh, loading in. There were lots of kids, little kids, seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds, five- and six-year-olds, and younger. Lots of them. Like like, like you would see at a, a elementary school. That's how many kids were there. It was communion day 
in Lindenhurst, Long Island. Lindenhurst is a very, um, I guess, German Catholic town. I there were a lot of Irish Catholics there, but it's a German Catholic town. But whatever, big around the church. Um, and so Communion Day is the day when all these people come out and bring their children out for, for a dinner celebration at the restaurant we were playing, which was Goche Dioro, too. And the place was packed with families and lots and lots of kids. And I've never seen this before. I hope I never see it again. Parents unsupervised, you know, leaving their kids unsupervised to run and uh, raise havoc. No parental supervision whatsoever to the point where we had to, a couple of times, parents, please come and get your kids. They were running around, uh, running through the equipment, running, crashing into equipment, falling down, running into poles, uh, structural poles, and crashing into them and falling down and getting injured. Uh, At one point, no fewer than about 25 uh, small children decided they could grab drumsticks and start beating the shit out of the drum set. I kid you not. And making, not only making noise, but banging shit as hard as they could, full force, breaking stuff. Parents just not caring. Never seen anything like that before in my life. It was So we kept taking breaks because the kids were out of control. Nobody's fucking noticing. It's a very strange gig, but, well, the, you know, the owner of the place was noticing, but well, the parents didn't seem to give a shit. Parents, control your children. I mean, I don't generally judge the way people <laughs> parent, but you can't just let your kids run amok and think, well, it's somebody else's problem. Nobody Nobody was keeping these kids out of trouble. No, we got through the game. By the way, when I got there, there was this young man who just made his communion. And how do I put this? He had some obvious physical things wrong with him. Uh, Distorted face. And I didn't, you know, I'm not going to ask him what that's about. But what a a hell of a kid. I mean, a great kid. At first, he came up to me while I was uh, setting up, and he wanted to have a conversation with me about music. And uh, so what's going on? He said, seven years old. He just made his communion that day. And so we got into a conversation. I couldn't believe how bright and articulate this kid was. Knowledgeable. He's not one of the kids who was uh, causing trouble, by the way. When, when it came to that, he was one of the best-behaved kids. But really cool conversation with a seven-year-old that I know a lot of 40-year-olds who can't carry on a conversation uh, the way this kid was, was with me. And it was really uh, nice to see. And, again, he, uh, trying to put this as delicately as I can, he had some obvious... Uh, physical challenges. And I was thinking, he's got to be getting bullied by this, but he's so far ahead 
of the people his age is, you know, intellectually, that he seems to be able to handle any of that stuff, uh, which is a really pretty inspirational moment for me. Okay. Uh, so I got through that gig. And then Sunday comes. And Sunday, if you're not aware, um, was the day I was supposed to be murdered or assaulted or attacked on a gig because I made a joke about the Mets on my own Facebook page. I shit you not. Uh, it's long story. I'm trying to, I'll try to condense it as quickly as possible for those who haven't heard it. About a month ago, while working for EPM Studios, I made a joke about the Mets on my own Facebook page. One of the clients of the studios saw my post, tagged the CEO of the studio and said, this is the reason you're going to lose my account. And basically, that is cancel culture in a nutshell. It's like going to the owner of the studio and saying, we want you to fire this guy because he we don't like what he said and we want to silence him. Or at least threaten him with firing if he doesn't shut up and uh, say nice things about the Mets, a baseball fucking team. So little did the guy know that I had already resigned four days before that, but he thought he was canceling me. And I let that go. And as the month went by, the guy would keep continue to visit my Facebook page and leave snide remarks on it. Like, what is this guy's problem with me? And then about, about 10 days ago, I put some silly joke about uh, referencing the song, uh, How Can I Miss You If You Never Leave Me? Something like that. And he left a snide remark on there. And I finally had enough. I said, what's with these punk-ass comments? Just get the hell off my page and block me. You know, don't come around. I don't need this shit. And I called him a punk-ass. And then he started text messaging me. He was going to come uh, come to my gig. And first it was just, you know, kick my ass. And then it ended up he was going to kill me. Okay. That's what you want. Bring it, I guess. I mean, I got really nothing to lose at this fucking point. Um, I'm, uh, yeah, I got one foot in the grave already. What the hell? You, you want to? This might be uh, an easy out for me. But also, it could be I could end up killing him. I could end up going to jail. All all those things run through your mind. We're too old to be fighting like schoolyard boys. Even he is in whatever he is, forty-five or whatever. Well. Uh, so I'm anticipating that on uh, on Sunday that he was going to be coming to my because he his business is three doors down from where I was playing in Patch Up, and uh, somebody called me uh, uh, Saturday uh, Sunday morning and said, "Did you see his Facebook post?" I said, "No, I blocked him. I don't see his post." Said, well, um, apparently the cops were called on him yesterday over an incident with an Uber driver he attacked. Oh, this guy's escalating. There's a problem here. Somebody needs to put this guy in a timeout. He's attacking an Uber driver to the point where police need to be called. He wasn't arrested. Uh, I guess they resolved it amicably, amicably, and they let him go. So, but I went to my gig. It's fully expecting he was going to uh, come down there and cause uh, problems. Uh, at one point, the police showed up at my gig and uh, said that he had made some threats, but his own uh, security uh, people stopped him from coming down. 
And the police said, do you want to press charges against this guy for menacing and harassing? Like, no, I want to de-escalate this thing. He said, well, you might want to get a uh, restraining order against this guy. No, I want to de-escalate this thing. I want to, I want to, this guy needs to get help, but I don't need, want to be part of it. I, I got too much going on in my own friggin' life. So the gig, so the guy never showed up. No incidents happened. And I, I'm still alive. I know that makes some people very sad. And I didn't go to jail. And there was no fight, which is a good thing, in my opinion. Anyway, um, so the gig was, I was subbing for Brother Dave. Brother Dave's been on this program a couple of times. Uh, Brother Dave is a local, I would call him blues musician. Uh, blues, um, yeah, blues is a, blues rock, whatever. But it was playing at a place called uh, Daisy's Nashville Lounge in Patchogue, New York, and um, wants to be a very Broadway in Nashville type of bar. Very, you know, the atmosphere in there was beautiful, beautiful place. But uh, it's kind of an open mic that nobody comes to, so you end up doing three hours by yourself because nobody comes to the open mic. And that's what I was uh, told I was hosting. Now, the place has great ambiance in it, nice place, but the stage is a pallet in the front window like a monkey. <laughs> People walking by on the street see you standing. They see your ass. From, from from walking by in the street. It's uh, a kind of weird gig. And then it turns out, you know, they got modern country uh, banging on the... Uh, modern country banging on the jukebox or whatever the hell, the, ba the house music. Um, all that rock, pop country with a twang that I really hate so much i don't play that stuff i mean i i went out of my way to try to pick out a few modern songs that i could add to the to the set but for the most part i don't play that stuff i play if i'm going to play country i'm going to play traditional country that they never heard of and it turns out not only is this an open mic that nobody goes to but it's music that is background music nobody is listening or paying attention and that I hate those gigs. Listen, my comedian friends will never, ever have to experience getting hired to perform, but nobody's paying attention at all. Nobody, People don't give a fuck that you're there. It's the, most, it's the weirdest way to do a gig ever, and I don't enjoy that at all. And I did not know that was what it was, or I would not have taken it. There was one lady at the bar who was... Uh, making an effort to applaud after a couple of songs. But she gave up after two or three songs because she was the only one doing it. Most of the people were ignoring me. And, uh, you know, it's not a fun gig. And so after an hour and 15 minutes, I an hour and a half, I decided to take a break. I took a break and I said to the owner, I was like, What's going on here? You want, you want to call us a day? People don't, you know, the house music is fine. They don't need this. If it's just background music, you had house music as background music. You don't need me here. His initial response was, no, no, it's going good. 
Oh, good. Oh, there's a lot more people coming. There's going to be a uh, bar crawl, you know, uh, in town. Everybody, weather is too nice. People ain't going inside the pubs. Anyway, after 15 minutes, uh, I, he looked at me just, uh, I'm ready to go by. He goes, you know what? If you are more comfortable cutting out, I'll cut you a check for half the pay, and you can cut out. Now, if, if you don't want to play, I said, yeah, that, that works for me. This is not fun at all. That is a very unsatisfying way to end a gig or deal with a gig. So um, that was my Sunday. A little bit exhausted last night. And, you know, I was emotionally prepared to get attacked. All of that played into it being a very unfulfilling uh, experience, to say the least. So that was my weekend. I hope you had a very uh, a better weekend than I did. Again, the springtime has come here uh, finally to uh, Long Island, New York. Uh, hopefully you're having great weather. I, I understand parts of the uh, middle of the country got some really uh, tough windstorms and all that stuff. I'm trying my best to avoid the news. But as per, you know, par for the course... Another mass shooting uh, over the weekend. While it's funny, like, not funny. It's not funny. It's strange. It's odd. It's worth noting that while England is uh, or UK is coronating a king with some ridiculous ceremony about a sword from a lake that passes on royal, you know. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Divine uh, guidance that makes you a king or a monarch. It's just so fun. It's 2023, and we're talking about magical swords that give you special bloodlines or whatever. I, you know, and you know, I'm not really uh, a scholar of the monarchy. I'm doing my best to try to explain it from the Americans. Uh, standpoint. But while they're celebrating uh, that part of their tradition, we're over here celebrating the uh, time-tested tradition of giving schizophrenics uh, the word assault weapon is like just thrown around. It doesn't matter if it's a literal assault weapon. It's a rapid-fire rifle that is meant for the sole purpose of killing as many people as possible. We're, we're celebrating our freedom to give schizophrenics the ability to kill as many people as they want, as quickly as they want. I don't know. Which one is more fucked up? The, the, the country that gives magical swords uh, or, or pulls magical swords out of lakes to give divine guidance to a king or monarch or a country that gives weapons uh, weapons of mass destruction, really, weapons of mass killing, to crazy people without any consequence or any, you know, no, no speed bumps. Come on in, get your gun, go and shoot them up. And still, we have the NRA and gun people Despite the polls that show 86% of Americans want 
some changes besides thoughts and prayers. 86%. It's getting, you know, to the point where it's the Republican Party against America. It really is. I mean, if 86% of the people want something and you're fighting it because of your little gun fetish. Oh, where is it at? They're going to take my my 22 Derringer next. No, nobody's coming to take your your guns. But the guns that are meant for killing children or, ki- or wiping out schools and or going to malls, nightclubs, concerts, and just killing as many people as possible, we have to at least make sure we're not giving them to fucking nutjobs, schizophrenics. Yes? No, not the NRA. Nope. That's too far. It's an infringement, and that shall not be infringed because that's the only only phrase we can manage to say correctly. Shall not be infringed. Shall not be infringed. What does that fucking mean? Does that mean you want to give them atomic weapons? I mean, where does your not infringed end? Seriously. What weapons would you not, what weapons would you say are probably should not be in the hands of schizophrenics? I just want to, give me one. Is it an atomic bomb, a hydrogen bomb? What is it? You want, you want schizophrenics to get an F-16? Uh, <laughs> a B-1 bomber? What do you want? I mean, when, when it comes to arms, where does, is there any limitation? No. You, you should have a stockpile because the government, you know, we see the, you're not going to beat the government anyway. Uh, I don't want to go on. I'm already on deep into the, uh, but it's just so everybody is tired of hearing about it. And, you know, thoughts and prayers, gosh. I, I'm, I, I'm stymied here. Thoughts and prayers do not work, folks. And you know what? This is how twisted the logic is. Um, my wife, when she heard me come home yesterday, she attributed it, my coming home and not being murdered to praying for me and having her friends in her prayer group or some of the online communities that she's uh, um, part of praying for me. And that's why I didn't get killed yesterday. Now, it wasn't that there were police around. It wasn't that he had been nearly arrested the day before. It wasn't the fact that he saw me and I'm actually like six inches taller than him and uh, bigger than him and more intimidating. It wasn't any of that. It was that people were praying for me. And here's the thing with this. You can attach that to anything. People say, well, thoughts and prayers aren't working. And then the people who believe in thoughts and prayers will say, yeah, how many people didn't get shot today? If we have 300 million people, one guy got shot, the thoughts and prayers were working on the 320 other million people. That's the way, that's how fucked up the logic gets with this stuff. We were praying, and that 
so there was only one mass shooting. There could have, there was supposed to be a hundred, but we prayed those ninety nine away. That's that's the science that they implore in this stuff. Uh, so anyway, that's that. That was uh, my takeaway from all this stuff. You know, thoughts and prayers. What? Are you willing to do anything besides thoughts and prayers? It's just like they have a fucking script, by the way, and they just change the name of the town. Our thoughts go out to the town. Oh, what, what town was the shooting today? Uh, Allen, Texas. Uh, our thoughts and prayers go out to the people of Allen, Texas. And that's all we're going to do. And then there's another mass shooting in another town, and they just take the same script, and they cross out Allen, Texas, and put in... Uh, Kalamazoo, Michigan or something, wherever the next one's going to be. Sorry, people in Kalamazoo, I didn't mean to jinx you. Maybe you want to take cover. I I have no foreknowledge, by the way. Um, once again, uh, Paul Peters, comedian, is uh, scheduled to be with me. Um, kind of fucked up because I, I sent a link to the wrong person last night, and uh, I just sent it to him this morning. I know he got it. He has acknowledged that he's got got it and is planning on being here. Uh, I don't know when. I thought he was going to be here 15 minutes ago, to be honest with you. Uh, I'm going to take a break, play uh, play a commercial, and uh, I'll be right back. Enjoy yourself some co- uh, Koa Coffee. I got mine. This episode is brought to you by Koa Coffee. If you are a coffee connoisseur and want to experience the best coffee Hawaii has to offer, no blends, no compromise, Try the true taste of aloha. Koa Coffee produces premium Hawaiian coffee, hand-picked, expertly roasted, and delivered from Hawaii to your door with aloha. From award-winning 100% Kona coffee grown on the slopes of the Mauna Loa volcano to the unique mocha beans of Maui, they strive to provide their loyal customers with the best quality and freshness. Since 1997, Koa Coffee has been known far and wide as a product of utmost quality, and their awards proven. Koa Coffee was featured in Forbes' Top 10 Coffees of the World. This is the coffee Forbes called the best coffee in America. Find out what it's all about. Go to minddogtv.com slash coffee. Oh, yeah. Coffee with the Dog is live streaming now. Uh, Coffee with the Dog is live streaming right now. And um, there's an app for that, you know. There's an app. You can get the app. If you go to minddogtv.com, there's links to both um, both apps or the Google Play and uh, iOS App Store. Uh, or you can just scan the image that's on the screen right now. Um Live 365, iHeartRadio, we are streaming uh, every day during this time. And we stream 24-7. We're streaming music and comedy, a mix of uh, music and comedy all day long. Stuff I'm sure you will enjoy. I hope you get the app uh, and uh, leave us a good review. It helps with all the stuff. It helps to broaden your audience. But it also provides you a way to take this program with you if you're on the road you bluetooth ready you can uh hook up to your car's radio and just uh take us wherever you go uh live 365 uh 
streaming right now. Check it out. Oh, do you need that for just a little bit longer to scan? I know you do. I'm going to keep it up there till 10 seconds longer. Okay, that's that. Um, something interesting in um, this whole mass shooting thing over the weekend. It was the guy was, he has, and we're seeing more and more of this. It's just it's baffling. The guy is a person of color, really. He's uh, a guy who has got, um, he's got Hispanic background, and um, he is a white supremacist with a Nazi sympathizer. There's no two ways about it. So we're seeing more and more, you know, the white supremacist crazy people have convinced people of color to be white supremacists. It's fucking bizarre where you see black people, brown people, Asian people spouting <laughs> white supremacist nonsense, like, you know, and killing people, non-white people. And just, you know, it's it's how the fuck do you adopt a position against yourself it's fucking bizarre and i don't you know this latest guy the guy in in uh, allen texas um i don't have his name here and i don't want to glorify him by put, by putting his name out there anymore it, a lot of this is you know with the schizophrenic so just looking for it and you know not like any of them are watching or listening to me but you know what what's not bother saying the name but the guy was a person of color White supremacists. You see it with more and more. It's a growing trend. White pe- uh, Black people, brown people, Asian people, hating on themselves in the name of white supremacy. Fucking bizarre. Um, and I don't know what, um, how you even stop that, how you even perpetuate that into the minds of people and how you reason with them. Uh, like an intervention, like a cult intervention. Listen, you're the person you're trying to kill. <laughs> Hello. You know, the people you hate, the people of color that you hate, you're one. Look in the mirror. Fucking bizarre. Paul Peters is here. Uh, I'm tired of rambling anyway. Uh, my guest, Paul Peters, is a, a, a up-and-coming, hard-working uh, comedian who is now... Uh, got himself into some kind of film thing I'm going to want to talk to him about. It seems really impressive. Production uh, quality seems really good. And they seem to like snacks. Ladies and gentlemen, please open your ears, open your minds, and help help me welcome back Paul P. to the uh, Coffee with the Dog Show. Paul, welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So, uh, been a while. Last time I, I missed you, Zach was uh, co-hosting or uh, ho- sub-hosting for me while I was uh, doing some things with the studio. Uh, and I, I apologize for, for missing you for that because it's been a while now. What the hell have you been up to? Not much. Like you mentioned, doing a little bit of uh, like producing some stuff uh, with, a, with a company. Uh, I helped co-found, put that together. And so we're working on some sketches in there. Been doing some stand-up, but now just working on really finding my voice and uh, did take your advice, which was to release something. It uh, doesn't have to be a special because we know there's too many of those. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, let, let me, um, 
what is this uh, this film? Because the production value looks exceptionally like you got somebody who knows film, knows knows lighting, all that kind of stuff looks really good. What the hell is it? Absolutely, it's Milk and Cookies, um, Milk and Milk Cookies and production. And um, so what happened was we started with a sketch back in October of 2022. Uh, it was Halloween Hitman, uh, and I wrote this sketch out. It was like a mini movie, uh, horror movie. And I was like, let's, you know, let's, you know, I got everybody to come together. So we filmed it. Uh, and from that spawned, hey, let's do more sketches. And I've already been doing sketches since probably 2016. And so, you know, I got people together and they were like, hey, they're committed. And um, and we we're like, okay, let's get this thing up and running. And so now it's really, it's really going every two weeks. We film it sometimes uh, week to week. You know, that's how I found out about you on, on Facebook or some uh, maybe YouTube. I, I Originally, I remember seeing you do some sketches and, and laugh at, at, at those, and that's how I originally contacted you. Now, uh, Halloween Hitman, that sounds like awesome. That First, great idea. Is it, It's done and out there? Yes, done and out there. Um, we could have had a better release, but it's done and out there. All right, you got to. I got to get that. It's it, it's online and available now. Yes, yes, it's on our YouTube. It's on uh, YouTube. Um, I'll I'll send you the link. I'll send you the link. I appreciate that because yeah, we want to get people on that man. It sounds like a great idea. I hope it can. Uh, now with all these things, people used to ask me when I oh, was doing a lot of production uh, as a. You know, the writer and the guy who puts this stuff together, it was, are you happy with the way it came out? Did it come out the way you envisioned it? Uh, you get- yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and the only reason why I say yes is because I write to people how you look and how you, everything about you, I write for you. I can't write something that's your line for my line. So, right. yeah, everyone's always able to, you know, follow through. All right. Uh, next question. <laughs> Snacks. Um, the, the the pictures on your on your Facebook page. You're doing some production. You're on a table. The table is full with of goodies. Like like everybody's got like. Listen, my wife says I eat like a twelve year old. That is my diet. What you Mountain Dew bottles and and chips and all like. But uh, somebody somebody's acting like me over there. What's going on? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so that was the. Uh, so we were doing this sketch about uh, SBF. Um, saying Bankman Freed, you know, he stole every a, a lot of money through crypto. Uh, and so my character in that one was like, he's on Adderall, he's hyped up out of his mind, and he's just, he, you know, he's 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 you know, he's hopped up on Mountain Dew, he's going, he's at 110 miles an hour. So, uh, <laughs> and I wanted to portray that as best I could. Very cool, you, you know, you're into some cool stuff there. I didn't know if that was because uh, I haven't done a deep dive in it, I'm just looking at the pics and it looks like you're doing a podcast thing. I'm like, wow, that's an awful lot of snacks for just like a one episode of a podcast. I mean, I go through a cup of coffee maybe once in a while, I'll have a bagel or a donut for, for the morning, but uh, the table just looks like Halloween, man. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Drone footage. You know, somebody's into the drone because you got the it. It opens with uh, you know a nice aerial, very cool stuff. You're in. Are you doing that? uh, That's uh, Matt Lock Productions. He's coming in. He came in and he you know he does his own filming. And so he was like, "Hey, I'll get this drone shot in." And it's like, "Yeah, fantastic." At the end, it it, he put it together. We have a drone shot as well in uh, Halloween Hitman, and it does add something to it cinematically. It does add something. Very cool, Halloween Hitman, man. I I want to play the Hollywood Hitman. People, uh, (laughs) people always told me I look like a Hitman. Anyway, Um, 
Michael Valenza, Valencia, Valencia, right? And Adiyar Radford. Are they the same person? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, they're not. No, they're not. So <laughs> Michael stole Atia Radford's uh, social media. Oh, so, it, yeah. Yeah, so that that that's not the same. So it's actually Atia Radford. But he, yeah, he got he got his uh, social media stolen about a week or two ago by this this a hole man. And so, wow, yeah, wow, yeah. that is so weird. I mean, what is? See now, do you do you understand why people do this? Because I can't figure it out. Like, what are you gaining by that? Are you trying to scam their friends from? I mean, where? What's the upside to doing that? Nothing, especially to a young up and coming comic who's just working hard and you build up a little bit of followers and you try to keep going from there and then you got to start from scratch. That's not that's not fair. Something's wrong. That's a mental health issue right there. Yeah, I agree. But and I until you said that, it never occurred to me how this could really fuck up somebody's uh, career, because if he's got some people checking him out, you know, he's, he's producing content or whatever and tell somebody, check out my stuff. And then they find this other stuff. It, I don't know. It could, it could really derail you or, or you can miss out on opportunities that people think you're an asshole, for, you yeah. know, just totally fuck you up. Yeah. Yeah. Any recourse that, for that kind of stuff? What can you do? I mean, just oh. put it out there that this guy stole my stuff. Right. Yeah, nothing. You can't do anything. You don't know who it is. You know, they're hiding behind, you know, a firewall or whatever. So you can't do anything. You're shit out of luck. You're just stuck. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Having to start over, which isn't the best thing to do. But right. You know. So are you not doing any stand up now? You, you're basically, um, uh, you know, on hiatus while you do the these film uh, film segments? No, no, absolutely not. Always doing stand up. Uh, oh. Always, always doing stand up. Um, I have a two, two, well, the one album uh, live from Beach Grove, that one's really good. Uh, I got a lot of good reviews on YouTube. Um, and so it's just one of my best sets I've ever had. Do you uh, have segment? Because if you want, we can include it on. Oh, I have lots of comedy going on in the streaming radio all the time. What, what you can do is just uh, give me, if you have like a segment, like, I don't know, one bit that is a couple of minutes or whatever, uh, introduce yourself and say, this is where you can find my content. Send me an MP3 that has. Uh, this is Paul P. This is, uh, you can find me at Bubble and a, a small clip, and we'll add it to the rotation. So it's like constant promotion for you. So. Thank you. I will send that over. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that'll be great. Um, what? Uh, any frustrations with with the biz right now, with the business of stand up comedy? Because to me, uh, the waters are getting so friggin' muddy. Uh, uh, you know about how you stand out and and and. At least for the people who are booking producers, uh, club owners, and that stuff, distinguish yourself as quality from the sea of people just calling themselves comedians. That that is the most frustrating thing. Um, is actually uh, everyone. Everyone, you know, it's funny because now it is true. Everyone's a comedian. You know, right? And <laughs> everyone's a comedian, and yeah. it didn't used to be that way. Um, and it used to mean something to put the work in. And not expect anything until you deserve something. Um, and now it's, hey, I deserve everything now. And that's not the way it is. Everyone wants to go straight to Hollywood. You know, they're yeah. waiting for Randy Jackson to, you know. Right. 
Um, Robert Klein said the other day, uh, it was one of the takeaways from, from the interview I did with him. He said, comedy is truly a high calling, but what you get is people who don't respect the high calling of what it is and just are in it for, listen, we're all in it for ourselves to some degree, but complete, if you're in it 100% for what can I, what can it do for me and not giving yourself at all, you're not worried about doing great work you're doing about what i can get out of it you know what what are the short-term rewards for me that's what's a lot of people who just get into it that's their mindset and it's not good for the art form and it's not good for people who are truly working it and truly understand uh what the craft is all about and it's it's really discouraging to see that i don't know how you deal with it but uh killer killy uh, she was supposed to be on the program last week. She's going to reschedule on social media the other day. She said, I love when uh, club owners who wouldn't put me on because they never heard of me now follow every post I make on social media. She was saying that as it was a bad thing. I'm like, no, that's a good thing. That's saying that uh, eventually this guy saw some quality in what you're doing and now he's getting to know. It. And so you open the door. The message there for me is, if you rejected the first time, don't don't take it forever. It doesn't no to, no doesn't mean no forever. It means no, not right now. And maybe uh, those doors will open. You have you see any of that kind of stuff in in what you do, where um, somebody will just totally reject. You're not famous. I don't know you. Not put you on, and then six months later, a year later, yeah, <laughs> they they're now now impressed. Yeah, yeah, that happened at um, a comedy club um, where they wouldn't put me on for whatever reason. Um, and they just went every time I'd submit to go on, submit to go on, they wouldn't put me on. And then finally they had me on and it was like, oh, okay, we, we, we like him. He's, he's good. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like, just give me an opportunity. But a lot of time what you'll run into as a comic is comedians working with comedians. They know. Um, and I'll, I'll be honest. Sometimes I'll go on the stage and I'm like, I don't have anything. I don't know where I'm going to go with this thing tonight, but I want to try some stuff out and let's see where it goes. And um, and that could be a lot of risk, a lot, lot of risk. But a lot of times it could be very rewarding because uh, some nights it's just for the audience and just just feed them all the you know what I mean? Feed them everything. And some nights it's you got to have a set. But, yeah, you know, it, it is a lot of uh, produced shows where it's like, hey, I know Jeff. I know Frank. I know Jimmy. I'll put him on and we're, this would be my lineup instead of, you know, I know Paul's really funny. If I put him on and he, you know, I'm like, look, dude, I don't I don't see comedy as a competition. Um, and what I see it as is you have fun, you get on the field and you make people laugh. It's not even about you. So you do yeah. have people who join and they're like, they see Kevin Hart. They see Kevin Hart in a Chase Bank commercial. They see Kevin Hart in this movie, that movie with The Rock. They see him all the time. And they're like, shit, man, I want to be Kevin Hart. And it's not, I want to be the best comic I can be. And that's yeah. where they, that's the pitfall right there. Yeah. Um, uh, by the way, it looks like uh, uh, Ralph uh, Dice Clay has actually found the comments section. He says, this guy's got a great face. Where's he from? Where Where's Paul located? I'm in Indiana presently, um, and I, but I still do stand up in New York. I'll be back at Broadway sometime this summer, throughout the summer. You got to um, – I will send you uh, some people um, who are running clubs. Brooklyn, Long Island. Uh, Brooklyn – the main part of Long Island and the east uh, end of Long Island. I'll send you some stuff. If you can get them some material, uh, you, you might be able to back that uh, Broadway gig up with like some gigs all around all week long. We can't have a very 
busy week here uh, and exposure to some people who might not uh, know you and all that stuff. But back to your point, yeah, uh, risk reward. It's the the more risk you take, the higher the reward can be. But it also <laughs> if it flops, so you got to be pretty brave. You got to have an extra set of balls to to <laughs> to to try that stuff. Sometimes I mean, I I did that yesterday i mean i knew i was i was going to sing a song i had never sung before uh but the crowd wants that kind of music and i'm like um and so in the pit of my stomach i was scared shit i sang it well i sang it better than i thought i would but uh it's it's one of those things where you know you could end up falling on your face (laughs) yeah but when you don't but when you don't it's that when you walk away from the gig you feel you can't pay for that feeling you can't no matter how many prostitutes out there you can't pay for that yeah um and, and you're right and that that feeling you know that uh, i killed it tonight is i wish everybody could just experience that once i mean there's so many people who never ever get to experience that walking out of a place where and, and it's not like um i've made it or any you know congratulations that you've reached any kind of plateau it's like wow that felt amazing and i i i you know i I can't wait to do that again. And that's where the addiction comes for, for a lot of people to the, to the craft. Um, I, I have some friends who are really struggling with the financial part of it, though. And you know this. You got to know this in comedy. It takes a long time to get paid. And, and so uh, how do you deal with that? Because sometimes it could take years, right? It can It can take years before you feel like you're getting paid what you're worth and all that kind of stuff how do you deal with that kind of frustration of of just you know having that conversation about what you should be getting paid or, or you know do, or is it ever negotiable like the you know guys i know you're only paying 50 bucks on the night but really come on i'm bringing a lot of people is it negotiable at all and how do you deal with that uh in the beginning um and, and that's why i love your podcast is because you tell people Okay, you can do it. Do it, sure. Do it for fun at first. Get good, but then you got to get paid somewhere. Right. Otherwise, you're not you're not really because they're you know. But so I love that part about your podcast. You always stress that uh, to artists, and artists need to hear that. Um, early on, I didn't know I had any bargaining power or even asking for money. I was that guppy who's just like, oh, you want me on your show? Yes, sure. I'll bring my friends. I remember one time I brought over probably. 30 people, I'm not even joking with you, 30 people to this show. You know what they gave? They gave me a steak and a drink. That's what they gave me for payment. Wow. That's more than, uh, you know, it's a steak more than uh, most people are used to. It's sad. I mean, we laugh, but it's it's really sad because I see it happening all the time. And I think. You know, the writer's strike, there's a writer's strike right now. If you're not in show business, you're probably not even aware of there's a writer's strike right now. But the the issue is still the same thing. As long as the people in charge, the people paying the money, know that they can make a phone call and get somebody, and not saying somebody as good as you, just somebody. I can get somebody else to be here that night. I don't really need you. I got 10,000 comedians who won't be here for nothing. Why should I pay you? They don't see the quality. They don't see that you've paid your dues. You don't see that you're making the room laugh and making them stay longer, not walk out after, you know, all of, and making them buy drinks and dinner and all that kind of stuff. 
it's you're affecting their bottom line. They don't see it that way, and it's a really frustrating thing. But 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 that that's because it goes from comedians who are doing it for the passion, and then comedians who are doing it for hey, I want to be the next Kevin Hart. You know, there's a difference there. Or, I, I want to be the next Louis C.K. It's a difference there between wanting to be the next them and just doing it for the passion. So they're going to go get those guys who don't care, who are like scab comedians, if you will. And they'll get those guys to fill in and take those spots. But it, it, it does now. Now it's like now it's I'm, I'm like, hey, I'm OK. Straight up. You want me on your show? Is everybody getting paid on this show? Because it's right. OK to ask that. Is everybody getting paid? You don't have to be afraid to ask. Is everybody getting paid? You know, you don't need to know, okay, headliner show. If I'm not the headliner, I know the headliner is going to get paid. But if I'm doing the same amount as this person, want to make sure we're all getting paid the same amount. If everyone's yeah. getting 50 bucks, that's fine. But if everyone's leaving with nothing, that's fine too. I'll come and perform for free if it's a free show. But if, if no one else, nope, don't do it. No, I'm just saying that. If I'm, I'm just shaking my head for anybody who's thinking, well, now I can get Paul for free. No, uh, <laughs> no, you cannot. No, you cannot. No, no, no. That's not, no, that's not the message. <laughs> no. <laughs> What is uh what is uh Ralph Dice Clay telling me now? Uh I'm working on this new sitcom tentative title, Ocean Beach PD. It's a comedy about a small police station in Ocean Beach. Where the hell is Ocean Beach? <laughs> I have to look that up. I'm probably talking about Long Island somewhere. I don't know. Uh very cool stuff. Anyway, no self-promotion from the chat room over there. <laughs> uh, maybe uh, maybe he was uh, approaching you to be a part of the, the show. Anyway. I would be down. I'd definitely be down. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's he likes Paul for the main character. He says I like Paul for the, but you know it's it's a voice to text mistake. <laughs> no, that's all right. That works. Uh, yeah. Now Kevin Hart, uh, this uh, that you brought him up. First of all, uh, last time I checked, he was the highest ticket price of any stand-up comedian. But I don't even know that he's still doing stand-up. Is he? I haven't heard of anything recently. Well. Uh, this is what I think, because you were, we're talking about his his influence on people who want to be like him. People see him in movies, and they they get the idea that stand up is a stepping stone to movies. And if that's, I, I don't, I don't know the man. I never talked to him. He's on my list of people I would love to get. Uh, I don't think he he started out in comedy thinking I want to be in movies. No. I don't. I think he. I want to be a great comedian. Mm -hmm. And if you start from that place where this is just a stepping stone to to uh, movies, your chances of of being successful in that are pretty small, right? I mean, uh, you have to concentrate. Who said it to me recently? Robert Taylor said, "If you're focused on that, you're not focused on writing uh, great material, doing great." funny stuff and you can't be focused on focus is one <laughs> it's a one line thing it's not two line this is not focus this is focus right? so you have to be kind of uh concentrating on writing uh how much time do you and and do you actually sit down and write because there are different some guys just talking to them i got an idea and talk into their phone and listen to it later or sit down and some people write longhand what's your what do you do I'm three parts. Uh, I do it three different ways. My my first way, the original way for me is, okay, I've had a few drinks. I'm feeling all right. I'm going to turn on my recorder here and whatever I'm pissed off about, let me just go on the recorder from home. Then let's play that back, type it up, and then let's cut out the fat. Let's add a couple more punchlines in there and make sure that's good to go. That's how I used to write mainly. I still do that sometimes. Now it's more so, all right, 
have some ideas about some stuff. I want to go straight to the stage with it. I'll go to an open mic I, and I just want to see how it sounds through the microphone and I'll find the mistakes. And then it's like, okay, let me go to another mic. Let me go to another mic. And then by the end of the week, let's listen to everything. Cause see, sometimes um, that's when I, at the mics, of course, I'll go on there with nothing because I'm like, this is an open mic. I don't, I have nothing to lose here. It's, it's other comedians, you know, this is yeah. practice. Um, I've seen comics go to an open mic and be like, I have to be my best. And I'm like, no, you can be your worst. You know what that, I mean? Yeah, that's exactly. You have, that, there's nothing better than uh, having the freedom to try anything and knowing that if you fail, there's a, a safety net there. I mean, there's a comedians who have actually been through it and, and understand, and not like a crowd who's going to write down your name and say, never go see Paul P again. That was terrible. <laughs> Yes. yes exactly so yeah. that's why but yeah so then then i'll do that and then the other route my last route is okay build up all this material go back and then condense it because now i know i have a solid i know i have a solid half hour where it's like it's a solid like because keenan ivory waynes um he, he's someone who i i love and i respect dearly i Me watched too. his um i watched his youtube not his, his youtube interview uh for um for a living color and one thing he said was, you write, you rewrite, you rewrite, you rewrite, and then you'll finally get to the best part of it. And when I do that, I find it's it's material that can be worked in any room. Do you know his um, his history, how he got started? Because he's somebody I would like to emulate because I was thinking about doing a nighttime show, like a once mm -hmm. a week nighttime show where I... I'm just a guy who introduces it, but I get a bunch of young and because nobody wants to fucking see an old fucking geezer like me, but young, energetic, funny people. But he was just the for that living color. He was just the um, the the spark that got it done. And he was he was a creator. But then he had the uh, self-awareness to say. I got all these other people. I got my brother. I got all these funny people. Let them have the spotlight. Let them kill the audience. And I'll, I'll just kind of, uh, you know, encourage them and keep them going. That is a great inspiration for me. I would love to be that guy. Uh, you know how I, he got started in that? Was he, uh, you know, just doing stand-up before that? How, how did he? I think he just was doing stand-up before. Uh, was in with Eddie Murphy, um, which... Uh, you know, that's not a bad crowd to be around, but I know he was doing stand-up from before because even his stand-up from before is, is just, it's great. His, um, but I, I it's, well, anyway, but yeah, his stand-up from before is great and it shows what he's saying, which is the rewriting. But yeah, he started in stand-up and then got into film and writing movies. He was with Robert Townsend previously um, and they were, I think he was in, he was in um, Hollywood Shuffle, which is a, which is a hilarious Yeah, class. yeah, okay. Townsend is another guy who is just like super talented. I have mm -hmm. what happened? He's still alive. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he just seemed to fall off the map. Like this mm -hmm. was a guy you would say the next thirty years, this guy's going to be, or yeah. forty years, this guy's going to be, you know, the epitome of show business. And then he just sort of fa falling off the map. It's not because of lack. He didn't become untalented or mm -hmm. losing. What happened to him? Do you know? No. Well, he's not in anything, but his daughter is on a Black Lady sketch comedy show on HBO. So she's in that. So I know it, it, it definitely is still in the genes. So I know she's working in show business. So that's still a... Yeah, you know. I am so uh, un, unhip. I don't have HBO. I don't have... I don't even have television. I don't have no television. In my that's house, a good so thing. That's a good I, thing. Well, it, you know what? It is a good thing, but the way I went about it 
it was a, the worst possible way to do it. It was, uh, and this is why I'm growing as president. It was 15 years ago. I actually punched the television out. Uh, I, I, and this was in a day before televisions were 15 years ago, they weren't the flimsy little thing mm-hmm. you could punch out. Right? Oh, yeah. It took some temper and some rage to actually punch a television <laughs> set. And so I, maybe, maybe I need to change my life a little bit. <laughs> no, no. If it's been 15 years, I think you've already changed enough. You know, yeah, was yeah, it a no. sports game? Was it a sports game that did it? Was it a, uh, no, what the, the sports made me take cable out uh that like two weeks before that but my wife uh yelled at me i went in we were having an argument and i i I asked her if you know talk about and she she snapped at me like not now and i uh, i I never would hit a woman of course not of course it's better to hit an object than a woman better hit the television and then when my fist went through it she was really mad at me i was like oh boy what did i do (laughs) <laughs> I may I I have a uh, way uh, of taking something bad and making it much worse. Same. I have a gift for that. Same. It's no my, my gift in life is of figuring out how to make things really bad. But all these people we talk about, yeah. um, inspirations—they all, they you know, they all are great role models, but bad role models in the same sense that they give people this idea that doing great work, you know, it's all about fame and movies and all that stuff. And those are good. But first you have to get great at standup. You have to, you have to make that your priority and keep the movies way in the back of your mind, like not put it to the forefront. And that's a challenge for people because you see people like Eddie Murphy, you see people like, uh, you know, Kevin Hart and all, all these people who have escalated to the next level. And you say, well, that's what I want. And that it's so hard to not fall into that trap. You know, did you ever uh, deal with that? Or, you know, do you have that kind of, obviously you're making films now and you're writing films. Now you have that as an uh, idea, but is that, was that ever like, deterring from your from your work as a stand-up no no it always it was never um it was never a case of i'm doing this to get to here it was more so a case of you know what this is a stupid idea i have i want to put it on tape you know so let's put it on tape see how it is and then you get a committed group of people who want to keep doing it. it's like okay let's keep doing it you know i'll write this up and let's do this as well um so so it's never it was never a a matter of okay i'm doing stand-up for to get to the movies because if you do just go be an actor and do it that way you know what i mean go be an actor do it that way but don't step into stand-up because the thing i hate about stand-up is what uh you have too many it's too much it's too much clog in the pipeline it's too much clog in the pipeline like when you go to the hotel or some hotels they say don't flush the, the those wipes that's what's going on in comedy. It's a lot of flushable wipes in the fucking pipeline. And it's just, you know what I mean? We need yeah. some comedy Drano to just push that shit through. You don't love it. And it needs to be a test of, a, a, a true test of, do you love this? And if you love it, you can stay. If you don't, get out. Because there are people who actually love comedy and want to, you know, who really love being in front of an audience, not because of themselves, but because of the audience. That's something I love is, is black, white, Chinese, Asian. I don't care what you are. I've had people from Alabama come up to me and be like, oh, my goodness, you're so funny. And I'm like, thank you so much. But that's what it's about. Not like, can you get me a deal with Netflix? You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, a couple more things I want to talk to you about and then I'll let you go. Um, first of all, uh, this... We talked about open mics, but 
I have friends who are dealing with this um, circle of comedians who are really unsuccessful and getting into cliques where you you take the criticism or the you know so so positive energy or reinforcement of people who have never done anything over people who are successful. So and rather than listening to uh, people who've actually done it and really um, made a life in comedy, they're listening to people who have been in it for 10, 15 years and are still at that open mic level, still have not gotten a payday. And those people are saying, yeah, you're great. Just keep doing what you're doing. And now you've been, you're in it 10 years and you're still not getting paid and you're being reinforced by people. Uh, it's, it, I don't know if it's conscious, but I feel like they want to keep you down on it. They don't want you to succeed because if you succeed, you're going to leave them. Don't leave Paul. Stay here with us losers. Uh, uh, you know, that it's that kind of thing. Do you experience any of that? Like, I mean, again, I don't think people are evil and necessarily thinking this through. I want to, I want to, uh, I'm going to tell Paul to do stuff that is uh, against his, his own self-interest just to keep him down here with me. I don't think that's a conscious thought, but a subconscious way of saying, yeah, 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 you're doing great, man. I don't want to bother to, to, to tell you maybe you shouldn't be hanging out with us because we ain't making any fucking money ever. Yeah. <laughs> No, it, for me, I've always stayed away from comedy clicks, and that's probably a, a been a fault of mine because it does keep me off of a lot of shows. Me not being, you know, oh man, can I kiss your ass? Can I kiss your ass? Can I kiss your ass too, please? So one thing I'm not about that. You know, if you're cool, we're cool. But I don't believe you should be in a clique with comedians. I if you're if you're are that and you're truly your friends, that's fine. But when you get into a clique, I've seen it where it's like this is these are the shows we're doing. This is what we're and it's like you're stuck now. You can't, you don't have any freedom. Uh, yeah. and, and so being in a clique is not beneficial. It just, it just keeps you in the same like-minded group. You can't progress with that. You got to be yes. around different people. You know what I mean? So I, I try to stay as far, like, even with the people who I film with, you know, I'll still go to their mics and everything and show up and, you know, but I'm like, this isn't where we're not moving as a clique, so to speak. We're moving as a company where, Hey, you want to work with us? Everyone's invited. You know what right. I mean? Not like you, Hey, wait, you, you know, Julie, Julie's not invited. Kevin, he can't come, you know, Darren, he can't, you know, it's, hey, anybody you want to work with us? Come on, you can come on and work with us. Just, you know, have fun. And that's, you know, so I, yeah. I, I, I hate clicks. Right. And and it's being able to discern who's the negative influence on everybody and, and kind of say, you know, we can't work with that guy. He, he's just in it for himself and just, you know, yeah. whatever. It's, it's a really, it's got to choose your friends carefully in everything in life, but especially in comedy or music and all that kind of choosing the people you you work with carefully and not just saying well you know basically we're going to let you come in and poison the well for everybody and yeah. that can really be a terrible thing and the only, Let, only thing last thing i'll say about that is if you want advice and you're a young comedian go to youtube look up interviews from richard pryor look up interviews from bill burr look up interviews from carlin look up interviews from look up the greats interviews look up Dion coles look up anyone's interviews they will tell you directly what you need to do which is yeah. stage time stage time stage time outside you, of that you know, robert klein who was here friday he he, he, he actually uh and i i'm gonna i'll do a deep dive into this, this he said you gotta have a little luck and you know that this the cliche people will always tell you uh, luck is the work uh, a residual uh, of I mean 
it comes from hard work. Hard work creates your luck. And I do think that's true to an extent. But in some cases, like him, he got called for a Second City audition with Fred Willard. They never met each other. And to be paired together with another guy who is really good at improv, the people were so impressed they didn't know which one was great, so they hired both of them. That's yeah. luck. Yet they, yeah. good Hard work can't possibly create that. Do you... Uh, you can't you can't bank on luck you can't count on luck being there but do you do you believe in that because i know it's i sound superstitious when i say that do you believe in that at all like luck kismet whatever you call it fate yes i believe 100 percent because uh certain things happen for you to be where you are there was a uh saturday night show at broadway where they asked me to come in and watch the door. And I'm like, sure, I'll come and watch the door. I'm not doing shit anyway. I'll come over here, watch the door. Uh, ended up, that was like a, uh, they had an audition for a show, for a show and I was like, okay. And then then the, then the booker for the show was like, hey, you wanna, you wanna audition? I'm like, hell yeah. Um, but I was in shorts. So one of my good friends, <laughs> Steve, uh, I swear to God, because you can't do stand up in shorts unless you're fluffy. So one of my great friends, Steve, and he he brings me. He lives in Jersey at the time. He brings me a pair a pair of pants uh, to go on stage. You know, audition went well and everything. Um, of course, pandemic hit right after that. But um, so I say that to say, if I'm not there at that time, then you know what I mean. I don't have the opportunity to get on the stage. So yeah, I do believe in you. Do need a little bit of luck. But once you you have to have talent to be able to match that luck when it comes. Yeah, you take yeah. When when opportunity knocks, you got to be ready. Absolutely. The story about the shorts reminded me of uh, John Belushi and Joe Walsh. They went to a uh, dinner club and couldn't get in because they were wearing jeans. So they went to a hardware store and bought spray paint and spray painted their jeans black <laughs> and went back to the club. And then they, while they were sitting at the table, they noticed they were reeking out the entire restaurant from the smell of spray paint, and everybody was Love everybody it. was choking on it. <laughs> Uh, but uh, just uh, to touch on the door thing, my my friend Joey Gaynor, who used to work the door at uh, the comedy store in a, in Sunset Strip, that was how he met Richard Pryor. That's how he became uh, good friends with Richard Pryor and became Richard Pryor's opening act. Touring with him was through his time. Uh, working uh, the door at the comedy store. So I'm not saying do it at any place, but if there's an opportunity to do it at a place where great people are or, you know, where you can make uh, make some good contact networking and all that stuff, yeah. by all means, people, definitely don't turn down. Don't turn down working at the door when Richard Pryor is working at the club. Of course, yeah. if, if you're at Richard Pryor's club today, I have no advice for you, your yeah. family. <laughs> I hope yeah. you left your family enough uh, to get by on. Anyway, <laughs> uh, lastly, this is interesting for me because I support the arts and the, the writer's strike, as I, I mentioned. And with the writer's strike will come television shuts down. It will stop producing new co uh, content and the audience will notice it at some point. People get tired of watching reruns or the same shit over and over again. And if the writer's strike keeps on long enough, it creates opportunities for people like you and me that, oh, let's try something different. What is this? Because I'm not going to watch reruns of the same shows anymore. 
but I want to be supportive of the writers too, because on, on that part, I, I sympathize with them. And I do think they're being, you know, taken advantage of by billionaires who, who are making billions while some of the writers can't afford to pay their rent. It's a tricky thing. Do you, do you think about these things at all? Because you are now a writer you're not in the union. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you're not in the union and no, striking, no. right? No, so, no, no. So how do you walk that line between wanting to be, not be a bad guy, not be a scab, not take stuff out, but uh, uh, realizing this is an opportunity for me. If I do my best work now, people really notice me because they, they're sick of watching reruns. Where, how, how do you, you know, straddle that line? Uh, I think it's it's a it's a good opportunity. Maximize on the opportunity in terms of hey, people want fresh new content, so do do that. Um, at the same time, being that we do sketches, we're going to be making some sketches about Chat GPT. Of course, we're anti Chat GPT. Uh, writers need to get paid. These you know, I, I feel like the country has turned from caring about the people more to caring more about the corporations with pensions going away. So it, it, it's always for me. I'm always going to be for the common man or woman. Or whatever you identify as, I don't know. But so, but I support the people, you know, and and you got to support the people. And they've done such a great job of putting together great content through the years. Without them, we wouldn't have what we have. That's why you have Bollywood. That's why you have Nollywood in Nigeria. And you right. wouldn't have that without the writers who produce Hollywood here first. So you got to take care of the writers always, always. Very cool. I appreciate that. Listen, I appreciate you being here this morning. Send me those links and I will put them up. Here's a, uh, I want you to remember this though. Don't forget this. Any, like with the uh, Hollywood hit, uh, the, the uh, yes. hit ran horror thing. <laughs> yeah. Whenever you put something out there, make sure I know about it. I will help you promote it. I will let as many people as I possibly can, but I can't do it if I'm, if you don't give me a reminder and say, give me a heads up and say, Hey Doug, I'm putting out, this this weekend and we need to you know kind of juice it up a little bit not that i'm promising that i will you know change the world for you but i can let four, some more people know about it and so uh don't forget that i will send you a reminder every week i'm going to put it on my calendar send paul mm -hmm. p uh, a little <laughs> no little. now i will and i always appreciate you having me thank you so much you mean so much to all the artists out there so i'm thankful to be here today so thank you so much for having appreciate me. Uh, you sir and uh live long and prosper I'm looking forward to seeing you on when uh when you have your first hbo special i will get i uh, will get tv and hbo again that means a lot to me man godspeed thanks so much all right bye have a great day paul p folks uh great stuff he's a good guy he's a really really good guy and uh love his attitude love his uh and he's really funny too really funny on top of all that stuff check out some of his work i will put the links in the description for y'all uh and uh check him out support him support what he's doing uh and and so forth i'm going to take a quick break and i will be right back to um kind of wrap things up for this morning i have to go i'm gonna go meet with uh my friend phil have a little lunch you know it's time to reconnect with some people before we're all dead that's my that's my new philosophy we're all getting old and um and like that i can't find my true fire commercial this is really 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 upsetting me true fire here you go uh if you're looking to play guitar true fire is the best place to do it and you can learn from some of the greatest uh guitar players doers in the world uh true fire check it out Over 2 million.
Dragon guitar players worldwide learn, practice, and play with TrueFight. Our learning tools and massive library of video lessons will ignite your technical skills, harmonic knowledge, rhythm playing, and soloing chops. TrueFire's educators are the best in the biz, from Grammy Award winners to world-renowned artists. You'll have access to an unparalleled faculty of over 300 top-notch blues, rock, jazz, country, fingerstyle, and acoustic guitar educators. Using our desktop and mobile apps, you'll work with TrueFire's multi-angle video lessons on any device, anytime, anywhere. Integrated learning tools such as video synced tab and notation, slow-mo, looping, practice jam tracks, and many more handy controls accelerate your learning experience. TrueFire's style-specific learning paths guide you every step of the way. Use our assessment tools to find your starting point, then follow our lesson recommendations and track your progress as you work through your personalized TrueFire study plan. Progress faster with private one-on-one -on -one instruction, group lessons, multi-track video jams, live streams, song lessons, student forums, TrueFire's Riff magazine, premium jam tracks, and much, much more. With thousands of five-star ratings and reviews from amateur and pro players alike, you'll find yourself in good company with the world's most comprehensive guitar learning platform. Grab your guitar and ignite your musicality. Sign up free for an all-access trial today. Free and invent new musicality. <laughs> Whatever the hell that means. Uh, but it's a great service. Uh, <laughs> True Fire. Learn from, uh, listen, it's the only place in the world that I know of where you can find your favorite or uh, some of your favorite, most of your favorite guitar players and access them as teachers. Uh, it's a great service, True Fire. Uh, I hope you will support them and continue to support all our sponsors. I want to show a, a little clip from Saturday night. I mentioned the now this is kind of blurry it's a phone thing that kiera just sent me it's uh the kids uh attacking barone's drum set from the other night here let me see if i play this like this oh no your browser is having trouble sharing your video try this can happen if the file is invalid the file's not invalid you bastard no it's just too small okay i can't share it oh well so much for that. I thought I could share it. Nothing ever works out. Nothing ever works out. Uh, listen, um, the Klein interview the other day, a lot of takeaways from, from that. Um, first off, um, the, the Rodney thing, how much of today's stand-up comedy can draw a straight line back to the influence the um, I don't know the career of Rodney Dangerfield. Rodney Dangerfield had an impact on so many of the comedians that are still working. There's still uh, um, powerhouses in the industry, and it's surprising to see, and it's surprising that more attention isn't paid to that. That you know, Rodney. For all he was, as funny as he was, appearances on The Tonight Show, his concerts, I went to see him 
three times uh, here locally in theaters, Westbury in uh, the round. Great shows. As great as he was as a comedian, he gave so much to the industry through his club, through his promotions, and all he did for other comedians that there should be a... There really is no shrine for comedians, no Hall of Fame for comedians. And listen, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is a bastardization. There is no rock and roll left in the, the rock. They're now putting people in there who are easy listening and country and hip-hop and jazz. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame should be about rock and roll. If there ever was a comedy Hall of Fame, I would not want to see it follow the road of crash commercialism, uh, bullshit tourist attraction, and all that kind of stuff. But there should be, and Klein mentioned people like Rodney and uh, Lenny Bruce, uh, you know, as some of his major influences, Lenny Bruce gets mentioned all the time. The thing I, I question about Lenny Bruce, and I don't want to throw cold water on anybody's um, hero, because I have my own heroes and hero worship. It may be a good thing, maybe a bad thing. I don't know. I don't care about that. But the thing that's questionable about Lenny Bruce, if you look for content, for Lenny Bruce, there's scarce, very little content that you can find from videotapes and stuff like that. I don't think Lenny Bruce was really television friendly. <laughs> In other words, uh, he was like me. I don't think he could get through too long without dropping an F-bomb or cursing in some way, some profanity. Uh, maybe he he did eventually... Uh, get that under control, but he was pretty much a potty mouth. But also, if you look at some the few clips that are available on Lenny Bruce, um, none of it really holds up today. If you look at some of the stuff he did, it's hard to, and I, I'm not saying he wasn't as great as people remember him, people who were influenced by him. I'm saying it doesn't come through for today's viewer, if you see his clip, you're like, well, this guy is the great? It doesn't come through. And not to say that the people in the audience might not have felt that way at the time. But the thing is, if he wasn't te uh, television friendly, where did see these people who get their idolization of Bruce get it from? Because... Unless they saw him live, and if you were a young person, chances are you couldn't see him live. For the most part, I don't want to say for the most part. He was not he was not in middle America. He was in major markets, San Francisco, uh, Miami, New York, Chicago, not even LA that much. Well, you know, if you look at his life schedule, so where did they see him to get influenced by him? Or is it one of these things? that gets passed down, I'm influenced by the great Lenny Bruce, and oh yeah, well, if you were influenced, I, I'm, and no, and a lot of, this is just my theory. <laughs> I, I believe that a lot of people who talk about Lenny Bruce as this super influential uh, force in their lives never saw the man. George Carlin said great things about him. Well, if Carlin said great things about him, he must have been great. 
but I never saw it. And uh, how many of us are influenced by Dustin Hoffman's portrayal of him, which was, from what I understand, not all that accurate. And again, looking for Lenny Bruce material as I have, not easy to find. And then when you find it, you say, huh? I mean, listen, 50 years, 60 years is a long time for stuff. Uh, uh, A.W. says, you're forgetting vinyl. Yes, I am. You're right. Yeah, I, I stand corrected on that. So that's, that's you're saying, and I don't know. Because you would think if there was all this material on vinyl, that it would still be online somewhere but i you know it would be digitized by now uh no, no problem with the caps let me see what, what the hell you saying. i first heard lenny on vinyl and also bought a garage sale paperback of his stand-up and that was paperback of his stand-up like written out material you know the the bits written out line by line that would be interesting. That would be a really interesting read. I'll look for that. But again, with the going back to the vinyl stuff, you would think it had been uh, more of it would have been digitized. I'll be honest with you. I I don't think I've ever heard uh, Lenny Lenny Bruce on vinyl. And you know, my parents had a, a lot of comedians on vinyl, and a lot of them were profane. I had Red Fox records coming out the ass. <laughs> uh playing in my house never i can't remember if they had any lenny bruce at all wasn't a huge i didn't know about lenny bruce until at least my teenage years but all that said and aw i appreciate your uh cluing me in on it and talking about the vinyl and all that stuff but all that said uh i think uh, i'm not backing off of my theory that a lot of people who talk about Lenny Bruce with this reverence, never saw the man, never even heard him. They go by their heroes who did hear him. But again, where if you're a teenage boy in or in this or teenage girl <laughs> or teenage, however you define yourself, in 1962, 1963, where are you getting exposed to Lenny Bruce? If, if it's just on vinyl, maybe, but I don't, you know, I doubt times where if, if you're not old enough and uh, maybe AW is because he seems to know about this stuff. But um, if you are old, the times were stricter and most parents, I mean, my parents were a different kind of different breed. They would let me listen to Red Fox at a very young age. But most parents weren't letting their kids listen to stuff as profane as uh, Lenny Bruce's material, at least from the stuff that I do know, seemed to have been. Uh, I am curious. I'm going to look up this this paperback and see if I can find that uh, with Lenny Bruce's material in it. That would definitely um, give me more insight because the vi YouTube clips, forget about it. They are just... They don't stand up, and they will not ever live up to the lore and reverence which would people talk about. So that's uh, and then there was uh, the other guy, Joe Ansis, who both Rodney and Lenny Bruce. There's a picture somebody shared with me of uh, Rodney and Lenny Bruce 
with this Joe Ansis guy. And they both said he was the funniest man alive. They both um, credited him with being the funniest man alive while they were performing. It's an early, I think, early 60s uh, photo that I saw. And apparently... This Joe Ansis guy was a local New York guy who was not all that interested in fame. He, he, he preferred the club level, um, and I don't even even called it open mic in those days. The the beginner level, the bottom level, basement level of success in the comedy world. He preferred it. He did not seek out stardom. He did not seek out bigger paying audiences and all that stuff. It's just a a very curious thing. I don't know much about this man. I know both of them, both of the people who so many comedians hold in, in such high esteem saw him as the funniest man alive at the time they were working. And he just wasn't interested in it. And I never even, um, I never even knew about him. Uh, Joe Ansis is his name. What is uh, John saying? If we were talking first, we can dismiss the contributions of Bob Hope either. The story about him going to vaudeville to radio is insane. Went from ha- uh, went from having to write a half hour a year to every week. You know, Bob Hope is an interesting character, man. Uh, so much interesting. Uh, besides, well, first of all... Um, you know, the stuff you talk about going from vaudeville to radio to movies and all that kind of stuff. Um, very funny in his day. The road movies I love with Ben Crosby, you know, those stuff, that stuff I love. I also loved a lot of the early movies that Hope made without Ben Crosby. The interesting stuff to me is how much people hated him. Johnny Carson, I totally hated him. And he was on Carson a lot, but they did not like each other which is uh, was a revelation to me when I, when I first heard about it and um, had a difficult time getting through um, interviews because I think Hope was really um, insecure about, you know, other people, younger people, um, I don't know, getting the spot, being funnier than him. Uh, just an interesting character. And then the Eyes Wide Shut stuff, which, listen, that falls into the area of uh, conspiracy theories and stuff, and I'm not a big fan of that stuff. But it all seems to make sense because we know on the USO tours and all that stuff, Hope did seem to have an affinity <laughs> for young, very young girls. Um, uh He, he hated the perception of him being rich. Rich? Really? I did not know that. Um, I mean, how else are you going to perceive the guy? Eh, that's really, that's a really odd thing for me. Because if you get rich, people are going to perceive you as rich. What are you going to do? Turn down the money for the movies and all that stuff? I don't know. And maybe it was his association with um, Bing Crosby who had this elitist 
perception about him. He was a country club type of guy. Bing, Bing was, um, you know, he was the golf course. He was a golfer. He was the guy who owned baseball teams and stuff like that. Um, so that smacks of being rich. So you, when you get associated with somebody like that, it's really hard to not be perceived as that. That's really weird. I didn't know that. Thanks for, uh, you guys have been um, helpful in giving me some things to research today. Anyway, it is probably time to wrap things up. It's 1030 here. I have to go uh, meet my old friend Phil for a, a lunch date we have to, to catch up before we die. Got to learn more about Hope. Got to learn more about Bruce. Uh, and we'll touch on Klein the Klein interview. There were so many takeaways from that interview. I have to do a deep dive on it again. The one thing, uh, Scott brought this up Saturday night. He said, you know, Robert Klein called you Himmler. <laughs> he didn't call me Himmler. He said, I have an interesting look about me, kind of intimidating. I don't know, a little Himmler. And uh, I quickly changed the subject to Groucho. Uh, Groucho meets J Jesse Ventura. And then he went into uh, the... Um, the stuff on meeting Groucho at his house, which I, you know what? I was thinking about that yesterday for me, starstruck by Robert Klein. And he's always been a hero of mine. And I understand that Klein was at the top of his uh, career and fame and, and you know, all that stuff. When Groucho called him, he was, had already hosted the tonight show 15 times hosted the t tonight show 15 times you know johnny used to take off a lot <laughs> but you know i think you probably count on one hand the number of people who hosted the tonight show 15 times robert klein david letterman jay leno maybe joan rivers i can't think of anybody else who hosted it 15 times maybe jerry lewis maybe maybe not anyway a uh, lot to take away from the Klein interview. I will uh, be probably uh, talking about it more when we don't have a scheduled guest. Uh, again, I thank Paul Peters for, for being on the show today. I will put the links to Paul's stuff. You got to check out the production Paul's doing. Really impressive stuff. Really impressive stuff. Anyway, I thank you all for being here today. Uh, tomorrow, I'm just checking the schedule here. Tomorrow, uh, Logan Peters, uh, a, a comedian who is yet another Marine, a comedian who is, I want to say, uh, very. I don't know how new to it is, but it's still in the um, stages of building a career. I think he called himself a starry-eyed, hopeful comedian. It's just a, an unusual way to describe yourself in, in show business, but I think it's pretty accurate. Uh, and so maybe some insight to be gained from that perspective of somebody who is really earnestly trying to make it. Yeah, another Marine. We're having a lot of, why are so many Marines turning to comedy? <laughs> I think this, uh, he's our, my, I believe, ninth or tenth Marine in the last year. Marine comedian. It's just uh, it's to me, and no, no army, no air force, no navy yet. Everybody, all the military guys who turn in, and girls <laughs> who turn comedian, 
have come from the Marine Corps. A few good men and a few good women and a few good alternate genders or whatever we have now, alternative genders. Am I am I in politically correct now? Am I going to political prison? Anyway, tomorrow, Logan Peters, uh, join me then. Thanks for coming. Have a great rest of your day. And don't forget to turn on your radio. Bye for now.